You know, our words matter. It's a lesson Sarah Molitor learned the hard way. And in her book, Well Said, our guest explains why they matter so much. Residing in Washington State, Sarah and her husband, Tim, are parents of seven children. The oldest six are boys, and the latest addition to the family is their little girl, Lucy. Sarah, you're a busy lady. (laughs) Welcome to the morning conversation. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited because you're the first person I've ever met that's from where I was born. That's kind of wild. No, it, it, <laughs> it shocked me, actually, just to bring the MyBridge family into our conversation before. Like I was asking you, you said you were from Washington State. I was born in Washington State. I wasn't there very long. Dad was in the military. I asked you what city and where I said Moses Lake, and you're like, that's where I'm at. And I'm like, wow. So a little fun connection, small world. Uh, but uh, we're excited to have you with us this morning. We're excited to talk about your new book, Well Said. Before we get into that, we'd love to get to know you a little bit as a sister in Christ and hear how you came to know Jesus. I am so thankful. I grew up in a wonderful Christian, Bible-believing, Jesus-loving home. Mm. My parents um, both loved and served the Lord and still do. And for that, I am very grateful. You know, you walk along in life and sometimes you hear these like radical testimonies of what the Lord's done in people's life. And my radical testimony is that the Lord really gave me a loving home to grow up in that loved him from the beginning. And I got to grow up in that, walk in that. It didn't preserve me necessarily from some mistakes, but it really built something in me that was super special and that is still there to this day. So I'm forever grateful Mm. for that. And I would say that when I was, you know, there are different points in my life when I said yes to the Lord. I remember very specifically when I was about five or six sitting in my 101 Dalmatian room, (laughs) I asked Jesus into my heart and being the uh, chatterbox that I was, I just wasn't sure that he heard me. So about for the next seven days, I asked him in every single day just to double check that point and make sure he really heard me, you know, (laughs) seal the deal. So that was my first encounter with, you know, letting the Lord in and asking him to be a part of my life. Later on, there would be more encounters in my teen years. There were more times where I really solidified that. And the more I solidified that, the more it seemed to separate me out of, you know, the world a little bit and Mm. the things that were happening maybe in my everyday life. Um, And then in college, again, I would say there was a real momentous point of really going my freshman year in, realizing that there were a lot of choices out there that I could make. And um, I remember one specific night that there was a party and I was on a softball team and they said, this is going to be super casual. I was very naive. I was like, okay, that sounds great. <laughs> and, I, and I went and within minutes, I saw what I saw what was happening. And I asked the gal, I said, would you drive me back to my dorm? And she got in the car and she said, you'll get used to it. And I said, I don't, mm. I don't think I want to. And that was really another solidifying point in the Lord in my life. So from there, he's been faithful. He's been good. Um, like I said, it haven't been preserved from all the mistakes, but he's definitely been there with me the whole way. So Sarah, did you ever think before you even begin writing, did you ever think that you were going to be a writer? I don't know that that was a thought in my head at this point in my life. I mean, maybe if you went back to my childhood and you looked at notebooks of writing songs and poems and all the things, I would have had that passion in me. So I definitely think it's something the Lord built inside of me, but for it to come out much later was unexpected. Tyndale Publishers, which is pretty awesome, reached out to me by email. I never want to give encouragement that's just, here's what Sarah thinks for the day. I always want to be able to tie it back to what the Lord's doing in my life. And I really try to do that authentically and 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 lovingly, but really rooted in biblical truth. And so I was just sharing our lives, sharing the Lord here and there, bits of everything. And yeah, I guess she just liked what she saw and said, I'm going to reach out. 
Interesting. So why did you start with children's books? Well, that was actually a first reach out. Some A small children's book um, publishing company, they reached out to me called Good and True Media, and they're doing wonderful things with wholesome children's books. And they basically said the same thing. Have you ever thought about writing? And like children's books, those are my jam. Like if I have a choice, I am sitting down with my kids. I am reading children's books. I'm doing all the voices, all the impressions. That is like where <laughs> I love to live. And they found and you so on Instagram th- also? Also found me on Instagram. <laughs> so how did you feel about your first two books, the two children books? How did they do? Not in the sense of just mere dollars yeah. and cents, but as far as impact and your sense of them making a difference. I mean, I hope they do well. You know, I mean, the feedback you get is positive and I hope they do well. The I Grew With You is a very kind of like what you think of like a baby shower book, like a very sweet, you know, sentimental type of book. So that one was really fun to write because it was almost for moms, but it was for children too. Um, but the song that goes on and on and on was a very fun, whimsical, rhyming animals book. And it really, that one probably landed a little bit more in the laps because kids were excited about that one. It was very colorful and bright. And still to this day, I was laughing Stan the other night because my boys want me to read a book to them every night. And I try to do that. And they pulled my book and it's a little bit longer. You know, sometimes I'm like short book and they know like pull out this one and they pulled my book. And I almost wanted to say, no, go grab a short one. Then I thought, Sarah, you can't do that. You wrote that book. You <laughs> this is to. your, your book. kids are, your kids are asking to read your book. And they, anyway, they ask for it a lot, which I'm super <laughs> grateful, which hopefully says something that they really love it too. And that other people love it. So your latest book uh, just re- recently released called Well Said. Talk to us about the genesis of that book. What was in your heart? Early on in our marriage, I went through a pretty tough season. And when you say tough season, you know, I don't want people to think like, oh, we fell on hardship and all this. No, it was a tough season because I created it to be tough. I had, you know, a wonderful husband, but I wanted and, 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 and none of it was happening. And so as life went along, great things happened. We had our first child, we had our second child and life was truly wonderful. And there was lots of joy, but there was also a lot of um, bitterness and discontentment taking place in my heart. The symptom was word vomit. It was coming out in the form of my words. And, you know, I wanted to get out of that pit that I had dug for myself. I I didn't want to say the things I was saying. Called my parents after a big argument, hoping they would save the day, affirm me and do all the nice things that parents usually do. And thankfully, they gave more of a firm, we love you, but. And so from there, really was the catalyst for a years long journey still to this day, learning to use my words with intention um, and not just intention, but with the heart of Jesus and with joy behind them. So much in that story you just told, Sarah, you know, statistics say that all marriages go through different ones, different flavors, but we all go through those really hard times that challenge the very core of our commitment. But if you stick through it and work through it, most of the time, there's a there's the other side. You get to the other side to a better, richer place, but too many people bail in the midst of it. So kudos to both of you for staying in it. Yeah. Well, thankful for the Lord for, I think just, you know, building that in us that, and for my husband, that that wasn't an option. Thankful for that resolve and for what the Lord had built in him early on. He came from a very um, godly legacy and home as well. And I know that's, you know, due to that as well. And I'm, I'm very, very thankful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the other thing that uh, really 
got my attention in your story is again just the wisdom of your parents, right? And I've always thought in my like in my past as well that like I know I've got someone solid in my life when they can hear my side of the story and reprove me, <laughs> like you know, because obviously I'm giving a bias not intentionally, but that's just the way we roll, right? I'm I'm giving my perspective of what happened that favored me in my mind, and for them to have the discernment to be able to hear where I was wrong and to in the fortitude and the courage and the character to share that with me is huge. So having parents like that in your life is what what a gift that is. So Sarah, one of the things that you say in your book, you talk about how you spent so much time winning with your words that you actually lost a whole lot. And so first of all, when you say winning, what do you mean? What In what ways were you winning with your words? Tim always jokes that I should have been a lawyer because I'm so good at arguing. And he says, you will win every argument because you know what to say, you know how to say it, you know just how to frame it. And I'm like, oh, I don't want that to be my gift. <laughs> but um, I mentioned earlier, I was a chatterbox by nature. I grew up talking. My parents would tell you a million miles a minute. And they said, no one could hold a candle, Sarah. Like no one could even, we could barely keep up with your words. You know, when you use a lot of words, you you get really good at what you say, I guess. And so I think, you know, that winning, I know that winning was just that perception that when you're so good at words, sometimes you can just string them together to say what you want to say. And it sounds so good that no one else is going to hold a candle to what you say. And that's really a for better or for worse, right? That's not, it's not always a good thing. I mean, it's a great thing when you can speak words of encouragement and, you know, speak the love of the Lord, but when you can just kind of rattle off anything you want and just keep rattling, no matter how the other person feels or what they say, then it really becomes a loss. I mean, I lost years of wonderful marriage. I lost moments that could have been different. All that to say that the Lord did great things in it. He did redemption. He pulled it out. He's turning it into a really awesome for him story like he always does. But would I want to, you know, not lose that? Yeah. Like I, if I could go back and say I avoid all of that, absolutely. I'd rather not. So Sarah, some, obviously many of us grew up on the six and stones may break your bones, but words will never hurt me. So obviously you've processed through the, the power of words. So I'd love to hear kind of your thoughts about that. Why, why are our words so important? You know, we read in the Bible, in the beginning, God created the heavens and earth, and, and he did that by his voice. He, and I really believe that the Lord was really setting the stage for our words. I believe he knew that the spoken word would be powerful, and that was an emphasis on the spoken word. And I don't think it's, you know, happenstance that it started that way, but we're called to reflect God in all we do. And so part of that is reflecting how God would speak. And so you can look at the word and you can see how God speaks throughout it. And when we're not aligning ourselves with that, when I'm not speaking that way, then I'm not ultimately reflecting who he has me to be and who he wants me to be and what he wants me to say. God was never, you know, flippant with what he said. And yet we as a society, we as a culture, we're willing to say anything, especially now behind a keyboard, behind a screen, behind whatever. We're we're willing to say anything because a lot of people don't see us face to face. You're speaking love and kindness into a situation where normally there's anger and hate and discord. You're going to be different. You're going to be looked at different. And people are going to probably stop and be like, why? 
you know, they might be annoyed, but they're going to probably stop and say, why are they speaking that way? Why are you living in joy, even in hardship? Well, it's because of one Jesus, but it's also because he's planted his word in my heart. And out of the overflow of that, my words reflect his and I want them to in every situation. One of the things that stood out to me when you, as you were talking about uh, kind of bringing in Genesis and God spoke mm-hmm. and he created, I thought, yeah, our words create, mm-hmm. right? So our words create people, so relationships. Why watch our words? Because our words create. And yeah. what are we just like God's words created in a different but yet profound way? Our words create as well. So that's, yeah. I love that. And you're really getting into like Proverbs 18, 21, which, you know, that's was kind of my driving verse of all this and something that's always in my head, which is the power of death and life is in the tongue and those who eat its fruit reap the consequences. And so you're talking about, he didn't say those who eat the fruit of life reap the, he said who eat its fruit. So like, which fruit are you choosing? Are you choosing that life fruit? Or are you choosing that death fruit when you're letting those words come out of your mouth? Sarah, kids are honest. They just say what's there. I see that in plenty of us adults where we feel like our emotions are so strong and controlling us that we can't control them. And therefore, we can't control our words. So but so talk about, first of all, just the impact that emotion and your ability to or not to handle emotion has plays out in the words that you speak. I think everyone can relate to that because, yeah, our emotions are big players and we allow them to be big players. God gave us emotions. What a gift, right? Like what a healthy gift. Unfortunately, feelings are also faulty. And so if we're putting all of our stock into these feelings that flow in and out, our feelings are going to be all over the place and we're going to be all over the place. Uh, But if I can put less weight to that and more weight into truth and what I know to be true, then my words are going to reflect that truth and not my feelings, hopefully, right? And the more we practice that, there's a practical application in that. It's a training to say, I'm not going to let my emotions and all the things that are swirling in my head right now, I'm not going to let them take over and get the better of me. I'm going to be able to have that fruit of the spirit of self-control. And I'm going to say, okay, I'm going to rein it in and I'm going to, I'm going to look at this situation for what it is. I mean, obviously not maybe as a two-year-old, but as an adult, certainly. Talk to the person who says, I just get these emotions that well up and how, how do I practically make that work in the moment? I know for me, first and foremost, practically was asking forgiveness from the Lord and from anyone that, you know, I had affected with my words, mainly my husband. And the second was just, I had the unfortunate gift of seeing the detriment that it had caused to my marriage and the hard parts that it had caused. And I knew I didn't want that. So what's the alternative? And so for me, I had to start practically walking out, like you said, a way to get out of that. And at first it felt very forced. It felt very unnatural. So I started practicing my responses in the mirror, literally. And eventually it became more natural. And suddenly it was less forced and it was more what was in my heart. But it's a process and it's a continuing to be renewed, transformed. But there there is a practical side. There's a practical side of asking forgiveness and there's a practical side of practice, whether that's in your head, whether it's imagining you're on video, whether it's saying, how would I feel if this person said that to me? Whatever trips your trigger, let it trip your trigger and use that to practice the opposite. 
So, Sarah, I'm, I'm curious, like, what, what part does blaming have in a person giving themselves permission to word vomit? In my mind, that's part of what gives me, others, kind of permission. Again, it may not be a cognitive thing. I'm reacting to you. So it's, it was your fault, actually, you know, that I'm coming at you this way. You know, I think that blaming bit you're talking about, that's so interesting because I remember looking at Tim and thinking, you have what you want. I didn't even necessarily know what I wanted. I think I had maybe made something up in my head of what I thought I wanted or this picture idea. But, but here I, I, I used that as my fuel to blame. I felt like I didn't have what I wanted or what I had pictured the Lord stacking up for me when he, you know, put together this beautiful marriage. I wish I could have had perspective to say, what do I know to be true? No band aid can fix the things that are going on in your heart and that you're letting set root in your heart. When you're in that moment, you'll use whatever. Oftentimes we go around forming conversations and we form this thing in our head. And then when it doesn't go like we formed or like we planned, we're ready to pounce. That has taken some practice as well. And I think really that falls back on, and I was just talking to my boys about this the other day. Um, I think it's Romans 12 too, that says, be devoted to one another in love, honor others above yourselves. I wanted to honor myself. I wanted to be honored. I wanted him to say, ah, you know, like lift me up on a pedestal <laughs> and, and honoring others before ourselves, being devoted in love. What God calls us to do is not preforming conversations. It's not making cases where there's no case to make. It's really coming together, allowing the Lord to work in and through both of us, but not letting one person be the pouncer and one person being the prey. Sarah, you're you're mentioning your seven boys. Is that right? Six, six boys, oh, six, boy, six, six boys, six boys, and one girl, and one one little girl yeah. that we just had. Yeah. How important is it for parents to be aware of this whole emotions yeah. and, and words being well said, mm -hmm. and raising our kids and helping them so that they don't have to <laughs> figure it out through the school of hard knocks as yeah. they become adults? And uh, so, how do we, how do we help kind of work this out within our kids? Oh my goodness! I remember when I had that argument, and then you know we got through it, and and light bulbs started going off you know, about that I needed to change. And I remember there was one day where it was like, I mean, it may sound so unprofound to someone else. As I was walking through, I thought, oh my goodness, my children are hearing hmm. everything I'm saying. And you know how quickly children pick up on things. I mean, my boys watch a movie or a show right now, and it can be as harmless as harmless gets because I am like that overprotective mom that, you know, checks every show. And yet they walk away and they say something and I'm like, where did you hear that? And they're like, oh, that show. And I'm like, no, 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 no. <laughs> uh, they, you know, kids pick up on everything. They're sponges. They are literal sponges. When that hit me, I was like, Oh my goodness. Mm. Oh, this isn't just for me and Tim. This is for my children. And then what about their children? What if I set the tone in their lives and they go about and do the same thing and then they have children and they go about and do the same thing. And I'm suddenly creating a generational thing, a generational ripple have you that, that I don't want to be a ripple effect. And that almost like was like the double cut, the little knife going in a little far, like, oh, I've got to stop for my marriage, but I've got to stop for my children too. I can't have them hearing mommy or seeing her like this because I look like a monster. And if that's all they're seeing, that's all they're going to model. I mean, we we reflect what we see for better or for worse. And with, and with kids, it's it's usually they pull out the worser part, in, you know, in what they see and they amplify it. And I clued into that. It 
made me want to change all the more. And the cool thing of that is that not that my kids are little angels running around, but the cool thing in that is I'm so thankful that I was able to turn it around then. And I want to, and I want to speak that encouragement to anyone. It doesn't matter how old your kids are, just turn it around now because there's going to be fruit pretty quickly. Kids, I feel like kids tend to switch and, and show fruit a lot quicker than we do as adults. You know, it takes us a little bit longer, but I promise you there's going to be fruit from that. My parents look at my kids and they're like, we want better for our grandchildren <laughs> um, than we had. And so I want to be a part of that. And I want to have that kind of long-term vision parenting rather than just in the moment parenting. So Sarah, before I let you go, you you just were given some words of hope to parents about their kids. Give some hope to couples. Maybe I'm listening this morning and I'm going, that's been me. I, I have not used my words well, and I have used my words in ways of venting frustration, anger, sadness, and I've damaged my marriage. And uh, so what hope is there for? Yeah, I'd love to tell you, you know, XYZ will happen when you do ABC. But the fact is, is it's the hope in the Lord. But the cool thing is, Stan, is that years ago when this was happening, I wasn't thinking about writing a children's book. Years ago when this was happening, I wasn't planning on necessarily having seven children and and you know, building a home with my husband and, and having a safe sanctuary where we live and get they get to explore and run around. I wasn't thinking of any of that. The Lord did that. And so I think we take the small steps that we can take in our capacity and we say, Lord, fill in the rest of the capacity. I need you to help me with the bigger things. And as we do that, I mean, I can like almost envision it in my head. It's, it creates new pathways. It opens up new things. So here we are walking on the road and all of a sudden to the right, something curves off and that's the Lord creating something new. And instead of going into a deep, dark forest, there's this awesome path that has unexpected dreams, unexpected things laid out for you, just waiting. And the Lord is just saying, walk, walk in me and walk over here. And I'm going to show you some really cool things that I have planned for you. And so that would be just my encouragement and my hope for people is that you just, you don't know what the Lord is doing on the other side of your story. Fun fact, I really wanted this book to be called The Other Side of Your Story. And my publisher was like, that's very wordy, kind of like you. Let's shorten it. (laughs) But I wanted that because I wanted people to know that there is another side. And I want you to hear that you're not stuck forever. And you may want to get out right now and you're just looking for a lifeline, someone to pull you out. Take this as that lifeline to pull out, to get to get out of there and get out of Dodge and do something different that might change everything, might change your whole course. Well, Sarah, thank you for being so vulnerable, so honest with us this morning about your own struggles with how you've used your words in the past and how God can change us in this area. We do appreciate you spending the morning with us. Thank you so much for having me.